Amen. Somebody quoted Brother Sammy not long ago and said, where he had said, I've had too many good days to complain about a couple of bad ones. <laughs> something, something to that effect. That's good, ladies. Thank you tonight. And uh, boy, isn't that true? Amen. You got over. You got to overlook a whole lot of good to murmur and complain against God. <laughs> Amen. I'm like Brother Blue said, a satisfied customer of the Lord Jesus. There he'd say that all the time. Amen. Amen. He's done exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or think. That's for sure. Well, we'll turn in our Bibles tonight to the Book of Titus and continue in the Book of Titus and. Made it through a little bit of chapter number three, but we'll um, just uh, hopefully get some more of this done here in this chapter. But uh, we're still looking. Um, of course, we get down to dealing with the holiness in the family, and he's dealt with honor in the field, uh, and all the way running down to chapter number three, verse one and two. And I believe he kind of verse by the time we get to verse number three, having been forgiven. Uh, kind of look at some of that as we move from verse number three of Titus chapter three on down. And uh, in chapter number two, remember now we've come and he's addressed the things to Titus that he wants him to set in order, uh, a God of order. He wants things done orderly. Um, and he wants the uh, elders to be ordained in every city. He wants false doctrine uh, to be straightened out. And as preachers, we shouldn't be ashamed to uh, preach the truth, should we not? That's what he's exhorting the preacher to speak sound doctrine. And um, that's why it's important that we are careful with what we say and what we make claims to be absolute truth. Uh, because uh, as one man said, if you'll just preach the Bible, you won't have anything to apologize for. Uh, preach my opinion. It may have gotten me into trouble a time or two, Brother Jones. But uh, if we'll just preach the Bible, we don't have to apologize for anything. And uh, so speak those things in chapter 2, verse number 1, which become, which adorn sound doctrine. And then he gets order there with the uh, healthy family, talking about the aged men and the aged women, so that they may be able to teach the young women to be discreet and chaste and keepers at home. And the young men, how they're to be exhorted to be sober. And uh, all those things, showing myself the man of God, a pattern of good works. And doctrine, doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, exhort servants. And then he, uh, we dealt with the grace of God that bringeth salvation. And I think we've dealt with this enough. I won't do it again. But the grace of God, the same grace that brings salvation that's appeared to all men, is not teaching men to live carelessly in sin, Right? It's teaching them to live holy, respectable, honorable lives with integrity and character uh, according to the Bible, right? Teaching us denying what to deny, what to do, what to desire, and upon whom to depend. In verse number 14, who gave himself for us. You will fail the Christian life apart from him. You will not make it. You won't get life without him. You won't sustain life without him. And you won't serve in the Christian life without Christ. He is everything. He said this. He said in one place, without me, you can do nothing. Right? Without Jesus, we can do nothing. 
And uh, so a lot of people in our day, this helps us to uh, realize that there's no programs, that there's no shows and plays that we can put on that will be able to mimic what the Holy Ghost is able to do in changing this world and turning it upside down. Right? We can't get friendly enough with the world and we can't entertain people enough uh, to get them in the house of God serving Jesus. Right? That's the work of the Holy Ghost. And without Him, we can do nothing. But that means to me then, with Him, all things are possible. Remember His disciples asked Him, He was dealing with salvation. And they said, well then who then can be saved? With men, it's impossible. That's what He said. But with God, all things are possible. People say, well, we're not going to have revival in these days. Well, I don't know if we are or not. I'm no prophet. I I don't know whether we are or not. I don't know uh, whether God's uh, limited himself in the last days not to change a little old nation like ours. It's a drop in a bucket to him. You know, he can pull it up and take it down. Revival in America is not, it's not God I have a problem with. It's the lack of repentance and faith in Jesus that is uh, the problem. But certainly God's able, I think, to revive us again on an individual level. And he's certainly able to revive our country, revive our towns, revive our churches. And I certainly believe he's able. And I think that he'll do that uh, for us as it pleases him. Uh, on whatever level that may be. This much I know, I need revived in my heart. That much I know. I'd like to see it go countywide, Brother Snow. I'd like to see it go statewide, countrywide. I'd like, like to see our beer joints shut down. I'd like to see people remember again which bathroom to walk into, not be so confused of what they are. Uh, I'd like to see sodomites back in the closets and things like that and drunks uh, put the liquor bottle down and the dope that's being done in our streets and promoted and given. Now here's how we're dealing with dope addicts. We're giving them needles to make sure they got clean needles to kill themselves with. That's a good... That's a good thing, isn't it? Taxpayer dollars hard at work. Keep working hard, man, paying taxes. You're going to kill yourself, just go on and do it. I don't have to give you a clean needle to do it with. But anyway, now let's not get sidetracked. And uh, so uh, our country's messed up. It certainly is. Uh, And I want our country to see it revive, but I can tell you this much. I need a revival inside of my heart. I need revival. And the love of many is waxing cold in these last days as iniquity abounds. The people of God hate iniquity. And I heard one man say, I'm not taking this to the, to the bank, but he said, you don't love God anymore and you hate sin. Uh, I don't know. It may be true. We've gotten by loving. We, we're awful comfortable with sin in our day, aren't we, Brother Joe? And uh, uh, we love God, but we love sin too. I don't know if both can be true at the same time. Now, anyway, let's not get negative, okay? Verse 15 of chapter 2. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. And let no man despise thee. And I, I think it continues the thought in the, the chapter break here, but that's okay. But verse number one of chapter number three. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, and to be ready to every good work. And so we looked at that. We're to obey lawful authority so much as it doesn't cross our Bible. We obey God over men, Right? And so uh, that's uh, pretty much established and laid out in our Bible, I believe. And then he said to be ready to every good work. I hope we're more ready today than we were Sunday. uh, To be ready to every good work. Not good works that you're comfortable with. Right? Well, I don't mind mind, uh, giving a little money, but I'm not going to take my time to go over there and try to encourage them. 
No, sorry, you don't get to choose the good works you're comfortable with. God, I'm willing to do this for you, but I'm not willing to do that. That doesn't, that doesn't get to happen. We just have to submit ourselves to God and say, God, I want to be ready to do whatever you want me to do, whether it's comfortable to me or not. I've never been too comfortable going up to somebody and witnessing. Have you? It's uncomfortable. My flesh hates it. My flesh has never been too comfortable uh, uh, doing that. My flesh is never like that. But uh, uh, we need to be ready and prepared to every good work. That's why it's vital uh, that we keep our bodies under subjection and, and, and obey this grace, this uh, educating grace. It's enabling us also to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world so that not, we can, not so that we can look good uh, and get our name on the front of some poster right but so that we can be ready to every good work and serve others isn't that right boy that's hard living isn't it but God wants us to be ready to every good work see there's a lot of things I'm comfortable doing and I'm willing to do that for God but then there's a lot of things that I'm uncomfortable doing and I think I get to play it off and say well let somebody else do that anybody else get that way so, well, I don't, I don't mind. Uh, uh, it seems like we always draw a line somewhere. And I'm not, I'm not going to run this rabbit too far. But it seems like we draw a line somewhere. A lot of people have drawn the line. Well, I'll go on Sunday mornings, but I'm not going Sunday night. Well, what if God needs you to be a blessing to somebody else on a Sunday night? Well, okay, that's fine. I'll go Sunday night, but I'm not going Wednesday. Well, what if God needs you Wednesday? Well, I don't get nothing out of it. Well, maybe it might be better if you'd come be a blessing to everybody. Don't you think? Well, preacher, don't preach to me. I'm here. Okay. Well, what about prayer meeting night on Saturday? Well, I tell you, that's just too much, preacher. I ain't coming on. I ain't coming. Oh, I believe we're not going to go forth but by prayer, but I ain't coming on prayer meeting on Saturday night. See, we just, it seems like we always just, we always just stop God somewhere. How about, how about this instead? How about this instead? God, I just want to be ready to do whatever you want me to do. Right? I, and I'm not saying, hey, look, these times, folks, look, I'm not trying to beat nobody down. What, I, what I'm trying to say is our thinking sometimes we need renewed in our mind. We need to think properly and think biblically. I just want to be ready to do whatever God wants me to do. God wants me to preach, I want to preach. If God wants me to pick up papers up and down through this road, I want to pick them up. If God wants me to witness to somebody, God wants me to pray, God wants me to read my Bible, I want to be ready to do every good work. If God wants me to give an offering, if God wants me to be a blessing to a man of God, if God wants me to help somebody, if God wants me to pull over and help somebody put a little gas in their car, I just want to be ready to every good work. Most of us wake up in such a bad mood, complaining and murmuring against God, we're not ready to do anything anything but wait on God to do something else for us because we're selfish and we're consumed with ourselves. We wake up in the mornings mad about what, uh, whatever has or hasn't come your way and then you're not going to be happy until God does something else for you. Hey, you ought to be in hell, friend, Amen. right? We ought to be dead in hell. Why don't we just wake up and say, hallelujah, God, thank you for saving me. I ought to have been in hell. You put me in your family. Thank God for your goodness. Help me to be a blessing to somebody today. That'd be good. You're not a blessing to somebody as hateful as you are. Right? I don't know about you, but yeah, we gotta let's let's get up thinking a little bit different. We've got it so good. Uh, sometimes uh, we don't remember, we don't think and see about how good we really do have it. Remember, then verse talks us about in former days. I have a hard time with that. Things aren't what they used to be. I have a hard time with that. 
I remember we used to have services and man, God, people would be shouting and man, they'd swinging from the chandeliers and man, they'd be running the aisles and running laps around the building. People were filled with joy and, and you'll get depressed and ruined today, upset about missing the old days. Well, don't miss today over what you thought the old days were anyway. Half of them people swinging from the chandeliers don't even go to church anymore. I don't know how much of it was God and how much it was emotion anyway. Uh-oh. Come on now, don't die on me. How much, Brother Reed? I'm gonna, I, owe two, I already owe some for some amens. No, seriously, I, I do that a lot. I'm not, I'm not talking, I'm talking about myself. I get to think about them old days and think about old me and seeing people under conviction on the power of God be down here crying out, God save them. And, and then if, you're, if we're not careful, we'll get hateful and we'll get bitter and we'll get cold uh, because today wasn't what it used to be. Well, why don't we do, if we'll just be ready to every good work, uh, it, it started one person at a time, didn't it not? We didn't get cold in our churches by the masses overnight. It happened just one person at a time, one heart at a time, got a little distant, got a little cold, and then before you know it, we're all cold and backslid on God, right? And you know what? I think the way back is just one person at a time, one step at a time, just getting right with God, right? Why don't you start? I've heard them old-timers, Brother Jones, talk about praising your way to victory. You ever heard somebody preach on that? I think there's a lot to that. Being thankful and praising God before you know it, man, that'll get inside of you. Get, you just start thinking about how good God's been to you if you're down today. Yes. Amen. Well, I, I'm so down. I'm so, I understand that. But why don't you just thank God? God could have quit you and put you in hell. He could have he took eternal life for, from you for being so disgruntled if he wanted to. Thank God he hasn't. But he certainly could if he wanted to. Boy, God's been good, hasn't he? Just be ready to every good work. Now, I know that's easy said. I understand that that's easy to say. But uh, I don't think there's any excuse for any of us not being ready. Do you? Be ready to every good work. Don't limit God. Huh? There's some things I'll do, but now there's other things I'm going to let somebody else do. I don't see that in the Bible. I see he wants every one of us individually to be ready to every good work. So well, I, I don't know. I've been in this too long. I'm 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 too good to do that. Well, you're too you're you're too good to do anything, then, aren't you? If you've gotten the place where you're too good to do anything, you have exceeded the reality of what you are. When any man thinketh himself to be something, when he's nothing. So what your value is really is what Brother Sammy said years ago. And he said, if you want to know how valuable you are, take your five-gallon bucket, fill it full of water, stick your hole in it, stick your hand down in it, pull your hand out and see how big a hole you left in it. That's how important we really are. God can get a donkey to do what I'm doing. Some of you say, I think he has. <laughs> right? That doesn't mean he doesn't love us. doesn't mean he didn't, for God's love of the world, he gave his only begotten son. Obviously, you're valuable to him for whatever reason. I don't have, never have understood that. Have anybody ever understood that? He's going to tell us why here in just a minute, why he saved us. It certainly wasn't because God really got something when he got us. Amen? God didn't get much when he got me and you. And, and just like the song said when they sang it earlier, we are what we are by the grace of God. <laughs> And uh, so uh, we're really, we're, we're nothing is the reality of what we are. And so when we think ourselves to be something, we deceive ourselves. Well, I don't deserve to be treated that way. Well, you've messed up. You done messed up. You need to back up and think, I'm not approving of anybody mistreating you, but you deserve a whole lot worse. 
right? So if you, it, it'd be a whole lot less damaging to you, and it wouldn't maybe knock you out if you would understand, you know what, I probably deserve to be talked to that way. <laughs> That's pretty good. I did a lot of people, well, I'm not going to, I'll tell you what, bless goodness, I'm not going to let them talk to me that way. I don't deserve to be talked that way. Well, if you knew what you really deserved, you would never said that to begin with. Amen. Right? Amen. <laughs> what we really deserve in reality, well, we're feeling sorry for ourselves, aren't we? I don't deserve to be treated that way. Oh, boo-hoo. The only person I know that didn't deserve to be mistreated was Jesus. He had done nothing amiss. Neither was any guile found in his mouth, what the Bible said. He, had done, he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. He made his bed there, his grave there. He didn't deserve to be there. Amen. Thank God for Jesus. Be ready to every good work. Now, I've done enough good works. I've been through enough. I'm tired of fooling with people and I'm going to sit here and drive and die. Well, good luck. Because that's what you'll do. Come on, right? Come on. Don't, don't die. I, I'm not trying to be hateful. I'm just trying to be helpful. Uh, you know, we can get that attitude in ourselves. Well, I, I, I've, I've been through so much. I've hurt so much. I'm just going to sit here and coast it out to the end. Don't do that. I don't think, I don't think anybody's got an excuse. And they've been folks that have been through some things. And I understand that. But there is no excuse in the eyes of God for any Christian to get the idea that they've done, they've done, you've never resisted striving against sin. You never resisted under blood. Right? So just instead say, you know what? God help me to just be ready to every good work. They don't deserve it. People have never deserved for you to do good to them. If you're doing it because they deserve it or you're doing it for what you can get out of it, you're going to be disappointed the rest of your life. But I know one who's keeping record in heaven, Brother John, who will not forget your work and labor of love that you've shown towards his name. You just keep doing good. Be ready to do good works for it. It's good and profitable unto men. Well, I don't have to do good works to get saved. No, we're doing it because we are saved, right? He exhorts us to do that. And he goes through there and say, hey, uh, I mean, you, you just think about this. If you, if you really get an eye on who you are, and that's really what he brings you down to, speak evil of no man. Why? Because you've been just as bad off as they are. Well, brother so-and-so, he's been mean to me. Brother so-and-so's done this and this. Yeah, and so have you. Come on now. That doesn't excuse what somebody else does, but you've been just as bad as they are. And really, if the truth was known and we really got your wife tell, or your husband tell the truth on you, it's a whole lot worse than he's telling it. Now, I got a tendency to be mean tonight, I guess. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean just to be mean. I'm trying to be honest, folks. We have got to get this thing right. He puts us in our place here. If you go back and you read this next part when he says, we ourselves also were sometimes in times past. Is that what he said? So, so it's not unreasonable for me to expect you to not speak evil of no man. Yeah, but they're speaking evil of me. Oh, so, so when you're reviled, revile again. That's over there in 3 Corinthians, see. Some of you better duck, that's going to hit you. That ain't, you're not going to find that in the Bible, right? Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. Isn't that what he did? Hey. Or this book said, speak evil of no man. But you don't, see, blessed are you and men shall speak all manner of evil against you, for great is your reward in heaven. Is that what he said? 
But you go to defending yourself and you get the devil in you trying to get it out of somebody else, you ain't going to get no reward for that. So the only way for you to, ex- to rise above that and to excel that uh, uh, and to uh, get some, maybe even get some rewards in the end is to not return evil for evil. Right? Well, they're speaking evil of me. I've got to defend myself. So what I'll do is take all the information I know about them and I'll put that out there and make them look worse than me. That's the southern way. But that's not the Bible way. Right? Boy, I don't like that. I really don't like that. My flesh doesn't like that. I've always been taught eye for an eye. And my flesh likes to give it, right? But that's not what Jesus taught. Speak evil of no man. Now, we know, and I said this before, and I'm going to say it again, speaking evil of somebody is not telling the truth. I mean, these things, we've got to cry out against sin, false doctrine, people ought to be named. That's not speaking evil of somebody that's a heretic. He's going to talk about heretics here in a minute. That's not speaking evil of somebody. Right? Telling the truth like that. But anyway, we already dealt with that. Speak evil of no man, be no brawlers, but gentle showing all meanness unto all men. Why? For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. I'm tired of dealing with these people. They're so foolish. Yeah, so were you. You remember that? As uh, I believe Vance Havner said, distance lends enchantment to the view. A lot of times you get too far removed of what you were and you'll forget you were the same way they are. Don't ever get too far away from the cross where God saved you. Don't forget what you were. I've spent a lot of time forgetting what I've done. I don't want to remember all that uh, sinful, that, that wickedness, but I do want to remember enough about this. I was just as bad as the rest of them. And so God helped me to be meek and lowly and to be helpful to people because I've been just as backwards. I've been just as backslidden before. I've been just as hateful. I've been just as serving divers' lust and pleasures. I've been just as spiteful as some people are. And I need to be meek towards them. Right? I need to be helpful to them. Why? Because look at what God did for you. Is that what he goes on to say? He said, no, have you been that way? Here's how God rewarded you for all your wickedness. Aren't you glad he didn't reward you for your iniquities? What did he do instead? Command you all men everywhere to repent and believe the gospel. And what did you do? You turned and believed the gospel. And how did God reward you for your serving of divers lust and your hatefulness and hating one another when he could have put you in hell? How did God reward you for it? After all of that is what the Bible said. Read it with me. For we ourselves were sometimes foolish. After all the foolishness, after all the disobedience and all the deception, all the lusts and pleasures and malice and envy and hateful, after all of that, the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared. (laughs) That's what I got when I found myself some 13 years ago on that back little porch nailed down as an, un- as an unholy, ungodly, rotten sinner full of diverse lust and pleasures and hatred and it filled my heart and I just humbled myself and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know what appeared to me that night? The kindness and love of God, our Savior towards man appeared. That's what appeared towards me. God didn't say, God didn't say, okay, here's what we're going to do first. We're going to get all those lusts and all those pleasures and all that hatred and all that envy and all that evil sin. You fix all that first and then I'll give you the kindness and love of God. He didn't say that. 
<laughs> now, don't make me say something I didn't just say. I'm talking about before you got saved. Right? What if God would have said all those things? Well, you know, God, what, if, what if God would have made it a prerequisite for you to be holy before he saved you? We'd all be on our way to hell. <laughs> Hallelujah. After all of those things, after all of that, look at what God did for you. The kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared. <laughs> Aren't you glad for that? So why, why do we get so down on people? I mean, why do we give up on them so quick? How long were you in sin and divers pleasures and lust and hatefulness and hatred, uh, hating one another? How long were you in that mess before God saved you? Right? Some of us forget and we get, our, we get our good clothes on and we start looking down our little sanctified noses at people like we're better than everybody. God found you. He didn't find nothing no better than who you're looking down at. In fact, you're worse. You and your self-righteousness. <laughs> Woo! Wake up! <laughs> that stirs my heart. Because I got down there, Brother Oliver, and just got down on my knees before God and said, God, look, I've done everything I know to do to get right. I've tried to clean myself up. I've tried to quit doing all the things that I know I shouldn't do. I've tried to do everything. God, if I'm going to be saved, you'll have to save me. <laughs> and hallelujah, he did. Changed my life. <laughs> Hallelujah for a changed life. Aren't you glad there's still some old-fashioned preacher that'll preach a changed life? <laughs> I've had my gut full of this new stuff. You can be a child molester and get saved and die a child molester. That Bible don't teach that. You, 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 know, I'm, you know what I'm thankful for? I'm, I, I am thankful that God doesn't leave a man dead in his trespasses and his sins, power, powerlessly, hopelessly, and helplessly arrested by his sinful nature. I'm not a victim to that anymore. Brother, the gospel changed my life. Now, don't take it too far. Right? You get over here in this ditch. But I'm not going to jump back over here in this ditch and swing all the way back this way and preach that it doesn't preach a changed life. This Bible teaches men that were sometimes darkness, now are they light in the Lord. You were dead. You were sometimes uh, full of obeying divers' lusts and pleasures. You were one time, your life was categorized by hatred and hatefulness, but the peace of God and Christ Jesus appeared unto you. Hallelujah for that. Aren't you glad that God changed your life? Aren't you glad he didn't just leave you like you were when he found you? What kind of testimony is it to a world that God can keep your soul uh, spared from eternity in, uh, in the lake of fire, but he don't have enough power to change your life? God's hopelessly powerless against the sinful nature. No, he's not. He certainly is not. That doesn't change the fact that saved people mess up. <laughs> They sure do. In fact, I've been hurt more by Christians than lost people, I think, since I've been saved. That, would you say that's probably about right, Brother Jones? I mean, saved folks can get ugly, can't they? And, uh, and uh, I tell you, I'm glad, I am glad God changed my life. And I, and I hate, 
I hate this gospel that's preached like your life won't ever change when God saves you. Aren't you glad that's not true? Aren't you glad instead of hatred in your heart? I've told y'all about what, how, how I felt towards my daddy. I wouldn't have given you 10 cents for my daddy's life. There was hatred in my heart. Hate, real hatred in my heart when I was lost. And God saved me. It wasn't the next day I started praying for my dad. I couldn't hate him anymore. I wanted to. God wouldn't let me hate him anymore. God, just by the Holy Ghost, just opened my life up and poured liquid love, the Bible said. Well, Sammy said, I know Dr. Bible. Liquid love. And uh, my life changed for the glory of God. In a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, and in that moment that I believed on Jesus Christ, God changed my life. And don't you let any overeducated preacher that's educated beyond their intelligence ever tell you that salvation won't bring a change into your life. Just be careful measuring yourself by the change. You'll be unstable all your life. But there is a change. Aren't you glad? How many testimonies have you heard, Brother Governor, of somebody getting up and saying, I used to hate going to church. I hated church people. I remember the first time my wife, the first date we ever went on was to church. She invited me to go to church. And she's backslid as a Southern Baptist church. Hey, little old Southern Baptist church. And I remember, I never will forget this little lady. I was sitting back there and I thought, you know, I thought I was okay too, you know, because I'd heard you just sign your name here and you was going to heaven. And then you can go on and live in all kinds of rebellion and sin. And, you know, you can do dope and run around with women. You can live in all kinds of debauchery and still go to heaven, according to them guys. And uh, so I had my little get out of hell free cards, you know, and had signed my name up and got dunked under water and I was good to go. But I hated that place. I hated church people. I hated church I hated the Bible. I hated praying. I hated Holy Ghost singing. The last place, I was comfortable with Leonard Skinner and beer drinking. Come on, don't die on me. Uh, y'all know what I'm talking about. I was comfortable when they start singing those songs. Boy, I felt good with that. But somebody get up and say, hallelujah, I love Jesus. I am what I am by the grace of God. And I thought, boy, you're crazy. <laughs> Who does she think she is? You remember when I said that to you? That lady was down there on that front row with a little hand up, tears scrolling down her face. I thought, what in the world's wrong with her? And then I'd get up and, and dance in front of a stadium down here at the Coliseum to a George Jones song. Now you tell me who's crazy. I'd rather dance for Jesus than, than George Jones any day. <laughs> Am I telling it right? God, what happened? God changed my life. God changed my life. In ways I never dreamed possible. And uh, in ways I never even asked him to. He didn't, ask, he didn't ask me. Now, do you mind if we just don't cuss like that anymore, Clint? You know. He didn't give me the option to choose. I'm bought with a price. He's my Lord. He can tell me where to go, when to go, how to go, what to look like, what to smell like, and how to say it as I'm going. He bought me. Now, Lord, help me to live that way. But that's the truth of it. He owns us. And I'm glad he does. I run my life into the ground for 25 years. I'm glad God took over running my life. 
I'll gladly submit to his lordship. I want him to run and rule and reign in my life. I want him to run the show. I want him to run my house. I tried running my house. I run it into the ground. <laughs> but God, every step of the way that I've just followed the Lord, it's been nothing but peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Inside now. <laughs> Externally now, I don't know. It's been a been rough. Aren't you glad the gospel brought a change to your life? Amen. The gospel changed you. I'm glad I don't have to look at people. I'm glad you don't have to go down here and find you some of these that are doped up on meth and everything else. And they're so, they're so geeked out of their mind they can't even hardly think straight. And just look at them and say, well, God can't really help you. That's effective what we're saying, isn't it? They deny the power thereof. That's what I believe the last days are about. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. There's no power in that gospel. That's what they're saying to people, are they not? God, God can save you, but he can't do nothing with your dirty mouth. Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be awful to have to preach to people? How hopeless would you have felt? You, I want you to remember when you were sometimes in darkness and you were serving divers love and you were, in that, you were an enemy in your, your mind by wicked words. You, I want you to go back to that night and I want you to imagine that preacher standing up there and saying, look, there's nothing God can do for that. The gospel is just not powerful enough to help you practically upon this earth. I'm sorry. But in eternity, you can end up in heaven. That's the gospel that's preached by independent fundamental Baptists in our day. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And that's shameful because that's not so. I've seen lives changed for God. You. <laughs> I mean, I think I've got a story, but Brother John, some of these men, some of you men that preach longer than me, I bet you've got some stories of some Philip that their lives changed for God. And you say, well, brother, I, look, I'm not going to that side and dealing with all that. I'm just going to stay right here on this side. And what, what I know is for a fact is the gospel has the power to change men's lives practically and positionally. God can and will change you if you'll obey the gospel. So, well, I'm just a victim tossed about to every uh, lustful desire that's inside of me. You don't have to be. Unfortunately, we do often, don't we? But it's not because the gospel didn't have the power to change us. It's because we yielded ourselves to the wrong thing. Right? Isn't that wonderful? Well, we, we got we to gotta go. But I'm glad the gospel will change your life. And if you're listening online, I want to tell you the same thing. The gospel will change your life. I, I, I don't know that just, just in my head, just because it's in the Bible. I know that by practice. I repented and believed on Jesus, and my life's never been the same. I've never been the same since God saved me. My heart filled with love and care for the souls of people. In love with the Bible. You can just mention the name of Jesus and there's something in me that just stirs up inside of me. I've never been the same. Hallelujah. I hope I don't ever get over it. Now, you don't have to act like me. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is this. I, I, I don't, I'm not talking about the degree. I'm not talking about the duration. I'm not talking about, I'm saying this much as I'm saying for a fact. You get saved and born again and your life will never be the same. And I thank the Lord for that. Don't you? 
I am so glad I'm not just as miserable as I was that night I got saved. Cody, you, you know, do you remember what I said? That this is what I said to God. It, you won't find this on the back of one of them Romans Road tracks back there. You won't find this prayer. But this is what I pray. It's all I knew to pray. Because this is how my heart felt. God save me or kill me. That's how I felt that night, Brother John. I'd have rather died that night than to got up lost again. I had rededicated a pitiful old filthy heart 472 times. God didn't want my nasty heart anyway. He wanted to give me a new one, didn't he? He didn't come live in this old filthy thing. He gave me a new one. Heart of flesh. Hallelujah. I, don't, I hope I don't ever get over it. I'm glad I can still in 2021 preach to people that their life can change for God by believing the gospel. Now, after all of that mess, after all of verse 3, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. I wish we would be more ready for that, don't you? When I see people that are hateful or people that are in malice or people that are in lust and they're disobedient and they're deceived, do they get a lot of kindness and love from me or do they just get belittled and railed and just beat down and just... That shouldn't be the way folks are treated, are they? Because we were sometimes that way. And aren't you glad God didn't come to you that night and put, you, put your throat under his foot and beat you down? Hallelujah. Boy, we need to start caring about people again, don't we? It's become way too easy to pass them by. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm ashamed of how easy it's gotten in my Christian life to pass by lost people and let them stay lost. We're getting numb to it, folks. It used to break my heart. I, I used to, I can remember the progression. I can remember when you, man, you, your heart is so tender. Everybody, when you see them, it's an opportunity for God to display his grace upon every person you see. And then as you move along, little by little, it gets more about yourself. And I'm talking about a downward progression. It doesn't have to be this way. I'm talking about when you start going in the wrong direction for God, you start losing your heart for sinners. They're not nearly as important anymore. The building comes more important than the people. You're in bad shape when this building means more than the people inside of it. And we don't care about lost people. We can pass them by like they don't mean nothing anymore. And used to, we'd get down the road and the Holy Ghost would smite us and say, well, you ought to go back and take them a track. Well, I didn't have one. Well, you got one in the door now. Go back and take it. That used to be, that used to be how we were, wasn't it? And now we just look at them and just, oh, well. Do you think it's because we haven't seen the results? It's kind of like, well, there ain't much use in it because, you know, people just ain't interested anymore. Well, maybe they're not interested because you're not telling them. You know what got me interested? Somebody talking to me about a Savior that died for me. Whew. That got me. <laughs> and look, I, I, I don't know. I, I, God help me not to see people the way I, to see them better. We, we got to go, but aren't you glad the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared after your verse 3? <laughs> not by works of righteousness which we have done. Hallelujah. <laughs> hey, that continues on even after salvation having begun in the Spirit. Just believe in God. It's a life of repentance and faith. 
not by works of righteousness, which I've ever done. <laughs> but, but, but what? God, why would you save somebody as pitiful as me? Why would you save somebody so low down and sorry, so full of sin? Somebody had sat under preaching for so long and rejected it. Somebody that's done so little with what you've shelled out. Somebody that's wasted my young life and my, uh, my, my godly raising and riotous living. Why? Why would God want anything to do with somebody like that? It's certainly not because of you, but according to his mercy. Amen. God saved you because he's a merciful God. That's the only thing I know. He saved us by the washing of regeneration and didn't the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that wonderful? We've covered that already, but the, the washing away of the old and the putting on of the new. Isn't that wonderful? Now tell me that happens to a man and nobody will ever know about it. <laughs> I don't know about that. We, let's go home. Which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. I want to reiterate to you again. Don't let your heart get too far from that last part. Jesus Christ our Savior. You get to thinking about Clint Boyer, you're in trouble. You get to thinking about Don Montgomery, you'll quit church tomorrow. Oh, I'm sorry, he's here tonight. I'm sorry, Brother Montgomery. Why did you let him do this all these years? I figured you ought to church him a long time ago for that. Am I telling it right? You get your mind off of Jesus. He's, only, he's your only hope. He is your life. Young people, keep your heart and mind and thoughts and affections through Christ Jesus, your precious Lord and Savior. When I've gotten in trouble in my Christian life is when I've gotten my focus off of him. I just went on to my Peter and the waves, but that is the, such the reality. You get your eyes off of Jesus and your thoughts off of Jesus and you start thinking about, well, this one and that one and this one mistreated me and this one's not real and that one ended up in sin. And there's another t- you, get your, you get your mind on that mess, you're never going to make it. But if you just keep your eyes on Jesus, you, God will see you through to your end. Keep your heart on fire for God. You'll have to do it through Jesus. Lord, we love you. Thank you for... Thank you for loving us. Thank you for these truths. I say simple truths, but they're not in the sense that we say simple. It cost heaven everything. The kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared when you come into this sin-cursed world in the likeness of sinful flesh. And because of your mercy and your love towards us, you saved us. Thank you, Lord, for the redemption that we have in Christ. Help us not to ever get too far from that. Help us to have our minds upon you, not get weary in these last days, Lord. This country, our condition of a lot of our churches, the condition of a lot of preachers and pulpits in these days that preach a gospel that's completely powerless. And Lord, it gets weary fighting the same battles sometimes over and over. But thank you for your faithfulness to us. Help us keep our hearts and minds on you there's anybody here tonight lost, help them to see you. They'll never be saved, never be justified apart from Jesus Christ. We love you. In his name we pray. Stand to your feet. Give you a verse. If you need to come, you come on. Just mind the Lord. Brother Reed, where are we singing?